We're still urging advocates to please continue sending emails to the FDA, urging them to approve AMF0035. It's really important for the FDA to hear from the community and people living with ALS in particular about your need to access this safe and effective treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am your host, Jeremy Holden. On September 7th, the Food and Drug Administration convened a meeting of the Peripheral and Central Nervous System Drugs Advisory Committee to consider whether the existing evidence is sufficient to support approval of AMX35 for the treatment of patients living with ALS. Committee members were encouraged to take into account the unmet need at ALS, the status of the ongoing phase three clinical trial of AMX35, and the seriousness of the disease. We recorded this episode before the committee met and voted on the question, and we will have reaction to that decision and what it means for access to AMX35 next week. But it is important to point out here that the advisory committee's vote is non-binding and that the FDA has sole discretion to approve AMX35 for the treatment of ALS. This meeting is also a culmination of several years of advocacy before the FDA trying to get approval and access to AMX35 and other emerging drugs that can treat ALS. And it's a reminder that regulatory advocacy is just as important as legislative advocacy. For example, the ALS Association recently launched a campaign urging the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to make sure seat elevation is covered under standard Medicare coverage, a step toward minimizing harms and burdens associated with the disease. Joining me to discuss this campaign and regulatory advocacy in general are Kathleen Sheehan, Vice President of Public Policy at the ALS Association, and Ashley Smith, Director of Advocacy for the Association. Well, Kathleen and Ashley, thank you so much for being with us this week on Connecting ALS. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. Oh, we're great. It's great to be here. Very exciting time. A uh, couple things that we want to talk through here. But first, I want to dig into a, a new piece of advocacy that the association working on. Kathleen, what can you tell us about the new campaign to make sure that Medicare covers seat elevation for complex wheelchairs? Absolutely. Well, this is an issue that we've actually been working on for a very long time. We've been pushing Congress and the administration to make this happen because it's so critically important to people living with ALS. So at this moment, uh, Medicare does not consider seat elevation to be medically necessary and therefore they do not provide insurance coverage. Now, if you have private insurance or you have VA coverage, you might be able to get seat elevation covered, but Medicare is a really important payer. And they say it isn't medically necessary. We believe that it is. And Medicare has recently issued a call for comments on national coverage determination, and that's what they're basically asking people is, what do you think, should we cover this? Our answer is 100% yes, Medicare should cover seat elevation immediately, and we're doing a lot to make that happen. And one of the things often when it comes to advocacy is it's engaging in those advocates across the country. Uh, Ashley, I want to bring you in. So for folks listening at home, what are some ways that they can engage in the fight to make sure that seat elevation is covered by Medicare? Just this week, we launched a new campaign in our Action Center, and if you haven't been there before, it's at als.org backslash take-action. Um, if you go there, you'll see a new campaign in our Action Center 
that will enable you advocates to send your own comments to CMS. So Medicare is asking the community and advocates who use these devices or who would like to be using these devices to submit comments to them, telling them why they should be covering seat elevation devices. And so this is a real opportunity for our advocates to be engaging with Medicare and to make sure that their experiences are understood by the agency in order for them to make better decisions about covering these devices. So often when we talk about advocacy, or at least when I talk about advocacy, I'm thinking about that that old schoolhouse rocks, how a bill becomes a law, and like calling your member of Congress, telling them to vote for some bill. You know, advocacy, as, as we often learn, is also about talking to those federal agencies. Like, uh, Kathleen, you've been in touch. You've had contact with regulators, with folks at the agencies. You know, it, it's easy to click a button and send a comment or sign a petition. What evidence do we have that the regulators are listening, that the agencies are listening and paying attention to the comments that they receive? Absolutely. Well, um, many people, I remember that during the pandemic, it was very hard to get access to ventilators. Uh, we formed a coalition with respiratory therapists and respiratory physician and other patient advocacy groups. And we made it loud and clear to Congress and to the administration that they needed to do a better job of ensuring access to ventilators for people living with ALS. It worked. Based on the input that we gave them, based on the pressure that Congress gave them, Medicare made a decision to make those ventilators more accessible, continue making them accessible to people living with ALS. And it's not just the ventilator, it's also the respiratory therapist. So we've seen it work. We give comments directly to CMS. And then we also encourage members of Congress to send letters to CMS. So we have kind of a two-tiered plan. And, and maybe the third tier of that was we work with a lot of the other national organizations. So we're working with a big coalition called the Independence Through Medicare and Medicaid uh, Coalition. And their job is to encourage Medicare and Medicaid to pay for services, devices, and the kind of care that enables people to be independent. We feel that seat elevation is one of those very important things that Medicare should cover because it really is medically necessary. And of course, it's critically important to people being independent and being able to complete activities of daily living, such as eating, reaching the refrigerator, the stove, things like that. So that's why we're really excited about this opportunity to put pressure on the Medicare program to do the right thing. Yeah, touching on a couple of the key aspects of the work to make ALS a livable disease while, of course, accelerating the search for treatments and ways to cure ALS. Actually, it's been a bit of a summer of advocacy around regulatory agencies. I know you've been keeping an eye on the actions around the FDA and, and encouraging FDA to approve AMX 35. What can you tell us about the fruits of that campaign? What have we seen in terms of the community in terms of the community kind of engaging with that process? Yeah, that's exactly right, Jeremy. Congress usually takes a break in August to go back home in district and to have meetings in district in cities and states across the country where they live and meet with constituents there. And usually it's a little quieter here in D.C., but this summer our agency partners have really been ramping up their work this summer in August in particular. And so the Medicare seat elevation comment period launched just last week. And so we've been 
engaging advocates in that way. But also in the FDA, we've been advocating for the FDA to approve AMX0035 since the fall of 2020. And really, we're at the last stages of pushing and pressuring the FDA to make sure that they are hearing from people living with ALS, their caregivers, their family members and friends, that they need to approve this safe and effective treatment. And so just since May, we've been pressuring the FDA through several campaigns, one of which was emailing the FDA directly. So having people living with ALS and their loved ones email the FDA directly and Dr. Cavazzoni, director, who's leading that effort. And we've had almost 10,000 emails sent to the FDA urging them to approve AMX0035. And also over the last month, as you and many, and hopefully many of our listeners know, that the FDA advisory committee. So a second advisory committee meeting will be meeting next week, next Wednesday, September 7th. And as part of that meeting, they asked for public comment to be sent to the advisory committee members. And so as a part of that comment period, we also had another campaign asking our advocates to send comments to uh, the FDA advisory committee members and almost 1,100 comments from advocates were sent to the FDA um, as a part of that effort. And so we're really trying to pressure and persuade FDA as much as we can. I think definitely at the pressure part of this campaign where FDA has all of the, the data and the resources and the comments that we have been generating over the last two years. And really, we're at the point where they need to vote to approve this drug. So hopefully next week, it'll be a great advisory committee meeting. And we're still urging advocates, people in the ALS and their loved ones, to please continue sending emails to the FDA, urging them to approve AMX0035. It's really important for the FDA to hear from the community and people living with ALS in particular about your want and your need to access this safe and effective treatment. And we will share links to all of those resources and opportunities to engage in the show notes. A lot of great information here. Uh, before we close things out, just want to open it up. Any other thoughts about some of the ways that advocates can engage in the regulatory review process? I have a couple of important things to say, and that is that comments to the Medicare program, to CMS, are due by September the 14th. And so I want to encourage everyone to take action immediately. I also want to encourage people to tell their stories, to say what it's like to live in a wheelchair without seat elevation and the struggles that they face. We've heard that some people have fallen out of chairs when they're trying to transfer from the chair to the toilet. And if their breathing is compromised, uh, that's, a, that's a major problem. And it's also a major problem if you're living alone and you don't have someone to come in and take care of you. So we want people to tell their stories. We want the Medicare program to really get what it's like to be in a wheelchair without seat elevation. And we want them to provide coverage. Uh, the Medicare program will provide uh, their answer not until February 15th of next year. But we're hoping that everyone weighs in. We've also asked, by the way, ALS clinicians to weigh in. So we sent a special email to the clinicians that we worked in and asked them to weigh in. The key comment to make is that it's medically necessary. Yeah, thanks for that, Kathleen. You, you touch on the importance of kind of those personal anecdotes and telling your story. I know we've heard from, certainly from, from lawmakers that we've had on this show, how powerful it can be to hear directly from the community. So important to engage in all the channels that are available. Uh, Ashley and Kathleen, thanks again for your time this week. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy.
I want to thank my guests this week, Kathleen Sheehan and Ashley Smith. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And while you're at it, rate and review Connecting ALS wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a great way for us to connect with more listeners. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. Post-production by Alex Brower. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Supervised by David Hoffman. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you again soon.